Welcome to the Med Street Journal. Hello and welcome to the Med Street Journal podcast. My name is Rodney Hu. Today I'm joined by a very special guest, Dr. Jason Halleck. He leads the management of clinical and administrative strategy at SOC Telemed, ensuring that top-rated medical standards are met across all clinical specialties. Dr. Halleck has made more than 20 years of experience within some of the nation's most highly developed clinically integrated networks. He has a Master of Medical Management from the University of Southern California and an MD from the University of Connecticut. So I'm excited to have him on and kind of learn a bit more about his um, story and about his company. So with that being said, Jason, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you, Rodney. No problem. No problem. So yeah, let's just jump right into it. Why don't you give people a quick background of kind of who you are and how you got into healthcare? Sure. Um, well, you know, I, I originally trained in, uh, in emergency medicine, uh, uh, originally over started my training over 20 years ago. And um, I think that's really carried uh, with me through both my clinical and, and administrative career. In emergency medicine, we tend to be the, we say the, the MacGyvers of medicine, no matter what uh, problems are thrown at you, you, you have to fix it. Uh, sometimes you have to improvise a little bit. And um, you know, clinically, it's, it's very transactional with the patient being you have to get them from point A to point B, um, and, and usually in, in, in some rapid, fashion. And so uh, very early on in my in my clinical career, I was kind of tapped for leadership positions within my uh, physician group um, and subsequently with hospitals. And I turned that into uh, an administrative career of uh, what really became change management. Uh, and then I came to telemedicine um, uh, last year with SOC uh, Telemed, uh, managing our nearly 200 uh, physician uh, practice and critical care, uh, emergency, uh, and in general neurology, uh, as well as psychiatry. Uh, okay. Okay. So your position is the chief medical officer, right? So can you kind of give us an example of kind of what your responsibilities, what's your day-to-day -day look like? Well, my day-to-day -day now is very much on, on Zoom since the pandemic uh, started. <laughs> and, and I, I want to say last year, I think, um, with, with so much going on with the hospitals that we interact with, I think I've probably been been on Zoom nearly nearly 12 hours a day, and I, I don't think I had more than uh, a handful of days off over the course of the year, but it's been um, a very trying time uh, in hospitals, but, but um, uh, and, and for the nation, but, but uh, obviously a very exciting time for, for telemedicine. And you know we didn't we didn't start this in COVID. Our 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 company and our, our physician practice started actually um, over 15 years ago, um, but now it's just um, you know it's safe to say as as you see in the news everything is is exploding. So I I really have two jobs. Um, one is to manage the physician practice, which I do with um, all the three specialties that I that I mentioned. And uh, we have fantastic leaders uh, of, in, in each specialty also um, that really help me and, and I rely on them for the majority of the work. Um, but again, it's dynamic and, and it takes uh, quite a bit of my time. Um, and then uh, really some of the fun part is as, as hospitals and, and telemedicine evolves, I get to be a bit of an architect for, for new programs and, and how to help hospitals. Um, our, our um, 
uh, role in telemedicine is a little different than you than you hear about typically in the news because we are very focused on what we call acute care telemedicine, and that's providing specialists that are needed within the four walls of, of hospitals. So it's it's a little different than than the companies you you uh, hear more about sometimes, or you you know con contact a, a doctor on an app uh, on on demand. We're uh, dealing with uh, more critical patients typically. Okay, okay, that's interesting you said. And so, kind of, what is the difference between telemed and telehealth for people who don't have like a concrete understanding? Where I feel like most people think like, oh, it's just talking to your doctor via Zoom, but I feel like there's more than that. So can you kind of explain a little bit? Oh, absolutely. There's, you know, there's a lot of industry terms that are still evolving and there's a lot out there with the uh, American Telemedicine Association. They're trying to get more standard uh, definitions, but really, uh, you know, telemedicine is typically uh, just what it, what it, what it is, is, is medicine. Um, and we think someday that the, the word tele is going to go away, just like we used to say internet banking, uh, and now it's just banking. Um, and so that's really the interaction between the patient and the doctor. And that can take the form of acute care telemedicine, like I mentioned, you know, in a hospital where you'd expect to see doctors and patients are sicker and more critical. It can take the role of primary care and or outpatient specialties uh, where you would think of going to see a doctor on your own. Uh, and telehealth really encompasses something broader uh, and that uh, now includes um, uh, all different specialties and, 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 and um, you know, providers, not just doctors, you know, nurses, social workers, um, and, and others, as well as different technologies like your wearable technologies to monitor heart rate, blood pressure, and all, all those things in the larger uh, grouping of health. Ah, okay. Okay, interesting. And so I feel like there's a lot of companies out there that are really taking advantage of this whole pandemic, especially in healthcare and telehealth and telemed and everything. But you guys are working on something, something different, a, your own technology platform, telemed IQ to kind of help stand out from the crowd. So I want to give you an opportunity to kind of speak on that and kind of explain what that is. It sounds yeah. interesting. Um, well, it's interesting. You know, we started as a, a physician practice over 15 years ago and the, the name was Brain Saving Technologies, and it was a group of neurologists trying to provide care uh, in hospitals um, where, where they didn't have neurologists. They were solving for, uh, at that point, which was really a, more of a simple problem of geography, a hospital needed a specialist and they didn't have it. Um, and we grew, we added psychiatry and then added critical care over the last decade. And um, we realized about five years ago that as we grew and got to a larger scale, there wasn't a technology platform out there that was really focused on the ability to match um, the right patient with the right specialist for the right need in um, a very defined amount of time. And that may be only minutes uh, of time you have to get the right person there if a patient's having a stroke, uh, could be longer for other, other clinical needs. And so we had to figure out a way to solve for that. Um, it's not just as simple as making a connection, a video connection, uh, like you would think with, um, you know, the technology that we're, we're, we're used to like on a, on a, on a smartphone. 
Uh, you have to match up all those things. And then there's another, there's another big barrier when you do that in hospitals. And if it's really the moat around um, being able to do this work well, and that's the fact that, you know, a doctor has to be appropriately licensed in the state where they're going to give that care. And they have to have privileges at that hospital. And that means the hospital has to have vetted the doctor um, to be of a certain quality um, to be able to practice uh, in that hospital, whether it be uh, virtually or in person. And so our system, Telemed IQ, is really about being able to intelligently match all those factors to get the doctor where and when they need to be there based on the patient's clinical need. And so we built our own system to do that. Uh, we built it for our own physician group to be able to provide our core specialties. And then uh, a few years after, um, a bunch of other doctors of different specialties, hospitals and health systems uh, said, hey, that's pretty cool. Um, could we use that for, for our specialists? And we said, sure. Uh, and so now that's uh, that's grown greatly. I think we can support, um, well, we can support probably unlimited specialties, but I think we support about 15 on the platform uh, today because really it's about, uh, for us, we call it the workflow. And it's sort of an industry term that gets overused, but there's a lot of things that have to go right and have to be choreographed uh, when you take care of patients that are ill inside a hospital, because it, again, we, we say that it's life-saving telemedicine. Um, so if you get it wrong, uh, you can't get it wrong or the patient, the patient can suffer. And so okay. uh, the system has what we call built-in workflow assurance to make sure that interaction happens reliably every time and the ball doesn't get dropped. Uh, and that's why it's so powerful. Okay, okay. So correct me if I'm wrong. So your technology pretty much connects the doctors to the organizations and you guys have a vetting process. That's what kind of speeds up and helps you get over that hurdle of making sure the doctors are qualified and stuff like that? Yes, it knows what doctors are qualified and already accepted by those hospitals and then it matches them up to when they're available. Um, and if they're not available, it's able to pull them in if it's their day off and say, hey, we have a need and <clears throat> there's a high volume, can you jump in and help? And we're able to recruit them in so we can always deliver the service uh, that's needed based on, on patient demand. And so okay. it builds in what we call supply side elasticity uh, where it's not like just there's a bunch of patients waiting in a queue and one or two doctors kind of churning through them. If that queue starts to build, we're able to bring in more doctors to help in a very defined manner. Ah, okay. And so it's not a secret that the healthcare industry has been super slow to adopt new technology. And so as the chief medical officer, what sort of like hurdles do you see that are pretty common that you guys have to overcome or that other hospital organizations need to overcome when using technology? Well, it's interesting, you know, no matter if hospitals are independent or in a system, um, when you implement uh, many clinical programs, it, it, it's sort of like you are, uh, even if you've done them before and they work very similarly, you, you have to sort of, I don't want to say reinvent the wheel, but you have to go through the same process in each individual hospital. Um, so for us, that surrounds getting the doctors able to work there, and we've done a lot of work to uh, streamline that as much as possible. We are a, a joint commission certified organization, 
as most hospitals are, are certified by the Joint Commission or another certifying body. And because we internally treat our doctors to the same standards that they do, uh, they're very easily able to, to take them um, and, and allow them to uh, uh, provide care inside the hospital uh, because they're already vetted to those standards. So we, we speed up that process, which can usually take months in a hospital. Um, the second thing that, that really helps is, um, you know, a lot of this is technology and the, the technology um, in, in, inside healthcare is guarded very uh, highly uh, into high standards. And that's because, you know, hospitals have so much patient information and it naturally includes, um, you know, uh, information that can be stolen and, and used ad adversely. That's why hospitals are targets of attacks. And yeah. so we have a very developed uh, IT department and in the last year actually uh, became high trust certified, which is one of the highest um, levels of certification that you, that you can get. And that helps us interact with the hospital's IT department uh, to make sure that the patients are, are protected first and foremost. Oh, okay, okay. Another question I have is, I feel like you see like a holistic view of the industry just because you're dealing with so many different pieces on the on the chessboard essentially. Um, but what sort of trends are you seeing in telemedicine or in the healthcare industry in general? Well, you know, a lot of people have said this and I won't be the first one, but you know, the, uh, the genie's out of the bottle with telemedicine and, and you know, so much is not gonna be rolled back. But I think as we, we think about it more, it's, um, it's gonna be used more and more in, um, in acute care telemedicine and inside the, the four walls of the hospital. There's, there's a shortage of doctors uh, in this country and there's been for, for decades. Um, and uh, I think the American Association of Medical Colleges predicts, you know, shortages of, it's a range, but between 50 something thousand and 130,000 over the next uh, decade or so. And, you know, at least half of them are specialists and um, specialists provide uh, specialty care in hospitals when patients are most critical. And so what, what we're seeing is you can really virtualize nearly all the work um, that a doctor does, as long as it's not involving a, a procedure on the patient, uh, it can be effective with virtualized. Um, and so uh, the question is, how much will be virtualized in the future? I can't fully answer that. We, we sort of estimate it could be 25% of the medical care in hospitals in the future. And I think it's going to be the patients in the future, whether it be at home or in the hospital setting, they're going to tell us what what amount of virtualized care feels right to them. You know, obviously, um, there's an element of consumerism in telemedicine. It's very convenient in so many settings, and patients already appreciate that with you know being able to see their doctor from home, and they're becoming very appreciative of seeing that in the hospital um, because unfortunately, they realize it's not just that they're seeing the doctor on video out of convenience to the doctor. It's because that doctor or specialist wouldn't be available to them um, in their hospital if it were not through these technologies. And, you know, we do say all healthcare is local and patients want good quality medical care close to home. And if you live uh, in an area where there's not enough specialists and that doesn't mean it's, it's rural, um, you know, 60% or so of the work we do is in urban settings uh, where, you know, you should have access to a doctor, but 
uh, a certain specialist, but you just don't. And that could be just um, the doctors working at the hospital down the street and they can't drive over and get to you quick enough. Uh, and or there's still a shortage in an urban area. So telemedicine isn't just rural. It's it's uh, it's really a national trend. Mm, OK, OK, interesting. And I, I always thought of that, too, because you mentioned you made a good point that a lot of the doctors work can be virtualized. Like, obviously, you can't virtualize like procedures and like that patient engagement, like in person. But if you can take it virtual, you should. And like, I'm, I'm an MRI technologist by background. So I work with a lot of radiologists. And so I always think like, man, like, I feel like they could just work from home already, because most of their stuff is unless they're doing like an orthogram yeah, or something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, you know, radiology was one of the first specialties to effectively you know, work remotely and, and virtually because they're they're the um, you know obviously internet and broadband has allowed them to read studies outside of the the hospital setting. You know, in the hospital setting, it's it's not much different for for other specialists. Um, that you know, the barrier you have to overcome is because you're not there, you sometimes still need to touch the patient, uh, and that can happen in the hospital or home setting. So you know, doctors have learned very quickly primary care how to help. Uh, examine patients at home, uh, you know, ha have the patient show me the body part and or, um, you know, if it's parents uh, and a, a child has pain to have the parents examine the child and the doctor is able to watch. We do the same thing in the hospital. We use various telepresenters, uh, typically in the emergency department, that's the nurse that will assist, but um, they can help with the, the stroke exam for neurology. Um, other specialists, including even uh, you know, surgeons and others can can help. Uh, sorry, uh, the the nurses can help if the you know let's say the patient had abdominal pain. The nurse can examine the abdomen, and the the doctor can watch. And um, those exams have been shown to be reliable. Yeah, okay, okay. And so, what advice would you have for other companies, like healthcare organizations, who want to start using more telemedicine practices or programs in their workflows? Well, I think um, the, my first advice is you really need to be intentional and also not try to boil the ocean. So a lot of people ask me, you know, we want to start telemedicine programs in a hospital. Where, where do I start? Where is it going to be the most effective? And, you know, I don't mean to be coy here, but I, I sometimes say, well, look at, look at our group uh, and what we've done. The most uh, effective, you know, first three specialties that we've done uh, to match, you know, shortage of physicians with what the clinical needs are and where telemedicine is appropriate are, uh, you know, intensive care, uh, neurology, and, and psychiatry, you know, but as I mentioned, it, it can be used for uh, nearly any specialty except for the procedure. Um, and then, you know, I, I'd say you don't have to start small, but don't, don't, you don't necessarily want to start, um, you don't, you don't have to think about, uh, starting, you know, five programs at once, get a couple up and running at first, and then you learn about those workflows and how to iterate on those workflows. And then you can take those basic workflows to any specialty. And, and, and there will be differences, but the, but the basis is the same. And that's how you, how you get to success when you, when you try to start an endeavor like this. Dang, telemedicine is powerful, man. It's crazy. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I kind of want to give you an opportunity to talk about your guys' accomplishments, your milestones. I know that you guys earned the Joint Commission's gold seal of approval, um, but I want to know, like, what else have you guys been working on? What else has kind of stuck out to you that you guys have achieved? Uh, it's been so much and really nonstop uh, this year. You know, our, our biggest achievement um, is you know, well, we're, we're very proud of it is, you know, we became a publicly traded company this year, uh, right at the beginning of November. Oh, uh, nice. We grew um, and we're able to do that. And, and so we're very proud of that. Um, but but otherwise, we've, you know, expanded our, our client, our client base, you know, for our core services uh, throughout the year. Um, we, we were able to stand up some programs in the, in the early days of COVID when, when hospitals were in crisis and uh, uh, as few as um, like four business days or so. Uh, and that's because we, we had the muscle memory to do what we call it medical muscle memory. And, and as you've done at so many places, um, you know exactly what you need to do um, to get it done. And so that's, a, you know, to, to do something in, in as short as four days you know, in a hospital and health system is, is, is tough, but it, but it can be done. And we even think we could have gone, gone faster if we had to. Um, and then uh, we did just this year receive our high trust certification, which, you know, took years to prepare for. Um, but that really means something uh, to hospitals. And it's really helped us um, to, to move rapidly with the technology piece because so much uh, vetting with the security of any new technology in a hospital has to be done. Uh, that having done that uh, through our certification process, uh, we're able to just move faster than we ever have before. So that's uh, kind of sums up our year. And then, um, you know, we we had to really secure supply chain for some of the, um, in the early days of COVID because, you know, we do deploy very, most frequently via, via carts um, in hospitals, although we can connect to any any really web-enabled device with a with with a webcam, um, but we knew very very soon that we weren't going to be able to get all the parts. So we didn't we didn't hoard anything per se, but we made strategic purchases early on uh, to be able to support the growth throughout the year, uh, and it really paid off. Okay, yeah, it's crazy. Like what you guys are doing, you guys are making moves real fast, and like the technology that you guys are you guys created is super powerful, and you can just tell by like all the little milestones and goals that you guys are hitting that like the market needs this, you know? Um, so we've been talking a lot about telemedicine, a lot about what you're doing over at SOC Telemed, but I kind of want to end this episode on a little lighter exercise with something I call the rapid fire round. So I'll ask you a set of questions and you kind of just give me whatever answer you come up with. Fire away. All right. Question number one, what is your favorite book of all time? Well, I will, I'm going to go with a business book here, but this has been very motivating for me. There's a, there's a book called The Experience Economy that, that was written by Joe Pine and, and James Gilmore. Uh, and it was on, on a premise that, um, uh, you know, we're all on a journey in business of escaping what, what they call the commoditization trap. Um, and uh, what you do differently to, to engage customers. And it has a lot of uh, corollaries and uh, significance in healthcare um, by the way that we, you know, 
and I think of this as from my clinician side of just how, you know, how doctors and hospitals and health systems engage with patients to make it uh, meaningful so that you're not commoditized. And uh, it's one of my favorites. Awesome. Experience economy. Um, number two, who's the most influential person in your life or career? Oh, the, uh, the CEO of my first physician group is, uh, is a doc and uh, his name is Dr. Glenn Aldinger. And he was uh, and is uh, and has been one of the most magnanimous leaders I've ever I've ever worked with. Uh, he's one of the first board certified emergency physicians uh, when, when the specialty started. And he grew, um, you know, a kind of a, a single hospital emergency medicine group into a huge company that did uh, a physician group company that did uh, radiology staffing hospitalists and uh, numerous emergency medicine uh, practices. And, um, he taught me, um, just about everything I know in business. And, and he, he taught me, uh, quite a bit of what I know, uh, about clinical medicine. So he's probably one of my biggest influencers. Dang. Shout out Dr. Glenn, you said? Dr. Glenn Alden. Yeah. Shout out. <laughs> uh, number three, what is one goal you want to accomplish this year, 2021? I want to spend more time fishing with my kids. Mm, okay. Okay. Nice. Switch it up. Not, don't make it business related. I like it. <laughs> uh, last but not least, what is one piece of advice that you would give to your 20 year old self? Well, I'd go back to something I said before and, and put some spin on it is that uh, I wish I was more intentional and I wish I started to drive to a, a kind of a five-year plan or goal uh, earlier in my career. Um, I think that's an exercise that that serves everyone well. Mm, awesome. Awesome. I think that's an excellent piece of advice. Excellent way to end today's episode. Um, Dr. Jason Halleck, just want to thank you again for jumping on and just sharing your experience, sharing your journey and what you guys are doing over at SOC Telemed. Um, but yeah, where can people learn more and where can people connect with you if they're interested? Oh, thank you, Rodney. Uh, yes. Well, you can certainly go to our website, soctelemed.com. Um, there's a lot of great resources there about acute care telemedicine and uh, our uh, company. And um, uh, I think everyone will find it informative. Awesome. Awesome. And I'll be sure to include all those links in the resources for sure. Um, but that being said, catch you guys on the next one.